0: Yate, hello. Welcome to Real Native Roots, Untold Stories, a podcast by a Native woman with deep roots, hosted by yours truly, Vicki Old Man. I am a lover of stories, a connector, and a holder of wisdom keepers. Each month, we will be connecting with our Native relatives and exploring what medicine our guests share and offer to us. Please join me on this uncharted journey to learn, connect, and reflect. Ayahat, thank you. a welcome. Welcome back, everyone. I hope you are all in a good place. I am doing this podcast, not in my usual place. I am in Santa Fe. My youngest son had a birthday on Sunday and he wanted to come to Santa Fe. So we spent the week here together. That was really nice. And when I'm doing these podcasts, I'm so used to looking out the window and admiring the flowers, but also the birds. I love to watch the birds play. Now (laughs) my view is a little small kitchen. And so I was thinking, okay, what is this view offering me right now? I'm trying to take in a positive view of this. Two things came to my mind. The first thing was focusing and not to be like distracted. The other thing that came to my mind was there are all kinds of tools in there. I do have lots of tools, and, I, and th- this kitchen is not fully stocked, but I have what I need to create while I'm cooking. So that's what it offered me and not in my usual space, but I'm taking it all in and thinking whatever the experience is offering me for this moment that I'm here with you all. The other thing I wanted to check in with you all about where I'm at is guess what? I turned the big 5-0. July 1st was, is my birthday. And so it was a major milestone for me. I'm like, gosh, I can't believe I'm 50. What did the time go? So I've been really sitting a lot with reflection about Am I happy with where I'm at right now? Am I proud of the things that I've accomplished? What else do I need to still be doing and learning and discovering? Actually a little excited about what the future holds. I finally feel like I'm starting to understand what my grandparents, my mom, my older relatives are saying about life is short. They would say that all the time. Now that I'm at this milestone in my life, I'm like, yeah, life really is short. I want to make the best of my future meeting beautiful people. I want to keep expanding and learning from folks out there. I also really just want to have as many positive and learning experiences with my children. I just want to continue to be with them, even though they're becoming adults and figuring themselves out as well. I'm still figuring myself out. It's a lifelong journey of figuring things out. You think you got it and then something happens. I'm embracing being this age. I'm embracing what's ahead. I don't know what's ahead. I don't know what's going to happen in the next hour, but I am going to embrace whatever comes my way. I have a poem. It's more like a story. It's like words of wisdom. And I love the author, Richard Wagamese. A friend of mine got me his latest book. And you can't get it in America yet. You only can get it in Canada. It starts like this. I don't know how many times people have asked me how to start a novel or a short story or a poem. I'd love to be able to write something, they say, but I never have the time. Usually, they say this while watching television or waiting for something to happen. If we all got ourselves to a desk or a workbench or an easel and devoted one hour every day to bringing something to life, We could change everything. It's all about energy. And the more creative energy going out means a lot more things coming possible. You don't have to be a genius, a master, or even make money. The idea is to create. The idea is to become the creator you already are and to add to the creative energy of the planet. When we do that, we shape something marvelous. I love this. I've read this a couple of times this morning. And the one thing that keeps coming to my mind is if we devote one hour every day to devote to creating something that just really struck to me, which takes discipline, which takes commitment. That is the poem offering today. I hope it moves you in some way and it offers you something and maybe even motivates and inspires you. Okay, I am going to introduce our guest. I don't believe in accidents. I think things happen when they need to happen, and people come into your life when they're supposed to come into your life. This year in March, I was invited to speak at a conference in Santa Monica and I went, did my thing, and then I stayed for the rest of the conference to hear what other people were offering and sharing. During a break session, I saw my guest there. We just acknowledged each other and her colleague came. One thing led to another and then I found out who she was and my eyes got so big. I was like, what? You're who? What? I was so excited. We just started talking about our work in the sense of being entrepreneurs. And what does that mean? And what does it mean for our community? I am tickled, excited, and just honored that Monica Simeon is here with us. To me, she's like legend. She's one of the managing partners for Sister Sky. She also is the vice president of a larger organization. She provides technical assistance, also provides training to tribes, tribal enterprises, is well versed in communication and marketing that's her sweet spot. I really enjoyed connecting with her and looking forward to just continuing to get to know her. So Monica, thank you so much for taking time to be with
1: us. Please welcome our listeners. Thank you very much. It's such a delight to be here with you today Vicky. Thanks for all those kind words and I really appreciated the poem in the opening and hearing it a bit about you and your birthday and where you are, because I think that sets a really lovely tone to our conversation today. Anyway, I am Monica Simeon. I am a member, a citizen of the Spokane tribe. My nation is located up in eastern Washington near the Idaho border. I'm Spokane on my father's side. I grew up in my tribal community, but I'm Paquichan First Nation on my mother's side. So my mother is Aboriginal First Nations from Vancouver Island, which is a beautiful place here in the Pacific Northwest. So I always like to say my roots run very deep here in the Pacific Northwest. and from a salmon people, both on my mother and father's side. I've always been near the water and in the land and in a beautiful part of, part of the world here. I have lived here all my life. I did live in Seattle for a brief amount of time when I attended college, but ended up coming home, missing my family, missing my community. I have raised two lovely children, here in, in Eastern Washington, I have a son who is 27, and I have a daughter who is 29, and I recently discovered that I'm going to be a first-time grandma. <laughs> my daughter's going to have her first grandchild. It, wow. It'll be a baby new year. <laughs> Congratulations. How exciting. It's a very exciting. I've been married for 31 years to my college sweetheart, and he is Canadian Cree, so he's from the, up north. Me, professionally, I've been an entrepreneur for 23 years. So I've been, as I like to say, I've been signing my own paycheck and sometimes not (laughs) in that (laughs) journey. (laughs) But I now consider myself the serial entrepreneur. My sister and I started our first company, Sister Sky, in 1999. And many folks may know that name or that brand from the products division. We created a line of natural bath and body care products under the Sister Sky brand, but since then have diversified. We have Sister Sky Incorporated, which develops, which provides training and technical assistance services to the federal government and tribes. And we also have two nonprofits, Native Business Center and Holistic Native. And it's a lot under one umbrella, but I think what is important for folks to know in all that I do and my sister does in business is we really anchor our efforts in a very specific and solid vision and mission. Mainly the vision is any projects or programs that we work on is dedicated to education, health, and wellness in tribal communities. So although we may have different vehicles, so to speak, different divisions of our enterprises, we really do bring back all of the efforts to that education, health, and wellness in tribal communities. It really is what allows us to be focused, intentional, and sustainable. And I think that as I heard you opening up and you were speaking a lot about Being intentional, I think in reflection, that is why I've been able to stay the course for 23 years and diversify is that when you're an entrepreneur, you can go all over the board or you can boil it down and figure it out and figure out what makes you driven to continue. I definitely want
0: to unpack a little bit about Sister Sky and how you all have diversified I appreciate you sharing your deep roots about where your father's from and where your mother's from. It made me curious about your grandparents. I always love talking about grandparents. Tell us a little bit about your grandparents and maybe a fond memory about them
1: both and what they've taught you. I have a great question. So my grandmother grew up here in this area as well. And my grandmother, boy, when I think of my grandmother, I really have this vision of this beautiful. Strong tree because she was such an amazing, strong woman. And she had hardship, a lot of hardship. She became a young mother very early. She, I want to say, existed and thrived in a time where there was so much change. How do we adapt to that change? And what I saw was this woman who stood strong, stood tall, and was always proud. I think my grandmother was probably my first example of a very strong, proud woman, always well put together, always head held high. So I really learned a lot about embracing that energy of being a strong woman. My grandmother on my mother's side was extremely nurturing. If you had a boo-boo, if you were scared or afraid, My grandmother always created this space that allowed you to just be vulnerable and cry. I think when we grow up, we have a lot of cousins and we're out playing. And sometimes some of us come from families that kind of tease and we all are working so hard to keep up with all the bigger cousins. (laughs) And she always created this space where it was like, oh, it's okay. I'll hug you. It'll be fine. And if you got that comfort from her, you were restored and you just got right back out there and played. So I really have that amazing memory of both those grandmas.
0: I love it. And as I'm listening to you pull out what you're most grateful about these two amazing women, I can see how those elements have influenced your company to some degree. You are a continuum of these women. So I love that. What great role models and how they shared and showed up. How do you feel like they have molded your parents and how your mom and your dad also showed up in
1: this world and modeled for you. My dad really Eric, continued to carry that pride and that strong determination. When I do think about my grandmother, his mother, she was an extremely determined woman. My father carried that as well. That determination, I think from his perspective and his existence, really was the first generation of I'm gonna start my own business. It really came out in him as being an entrepreneur And I don't think he would have used that word. I think he would have used the word that I'm determined to make my own way. And I'm brave enough to try things and I'm brave enough to have things fail and figure it out. And I learned that. I think it morphed into that kind of energy with him. And definitely that was modeled to me. I don't think if I ever would have had any of that, I wouldn't have felt so compelled to do my own thing, to start my own business and be encouraged to do that from my mom's side her mother was very nurturing my mom played that role in my family you have the dad who is really determined and driven and you still need to be able to have the space to to be vulnerable and to rest and i think that's a really good balance in when you're building anything if you're building a business if you're in a leadership position it takes both of those energies that real determination and that real drive and that fire but you also need to be able to have that soft space. And I really see how that came together in both parents and really served in them parenting me and my understanding of how critical both of those energies are to success, to fulfillment, to balance and to health, you know, just general health. I love
0: that. Um, how you somewhat defined how your dad would have described determination. And it was my own way. When he had said my own way, I'm like, yes in our own way, right? It allows you to show up uniquely who you are and to do it Monica's way, to do it Vicki's way, to do it whomever's way and to own that, to own and embrace that. And I also love how you said to be brave, to be brave, to try things and to even fail.
1: That's okay because we're learning from that. So I love all of that. Yeah. It really reminds me as well of that poem at the beginning, which is to do something new, to do something, just one hour, to push yourself to do that is, is to move in a new direction. And that does take courage. But it also, when the author was writing the poem, it reminded me from a business sense that when we start a business, we have to get to a point where we have what is called a minimal, minimum viable product. You have to have the courage to get something out there. We all have these great ideas. But let's get to a minimum viable product. Let's have the courage to push something out, to see how it works, to see how responsive people are to it, but also to be able to have the flexibility to pivot and to hear that feedback. When we first started Sister Sky, the products business, boy, we would be out set up at trade craft shows. And I to say it was the best training ground for hearing what people wanted, hearing what people responded to, what they liked, what they got, what they were confused about. And although that sounds super simple, I think we don't always think about that. We don't always think about, I'm going to make this, put this out, and then I've got to be open enough to hear feedback and not take it personally and view it as really valuable so that I can continue to just refine this and make this better. I didn't understand that at the time when we were first making product. I would just do whatever anybody wanted. They'd say, "Oh, you should do this." And I'd be like, "Okay, I'll do this." And then, "We should do that." And then I would do that. And you're kind of all over the board. What I came to understand, and it took years to understand this, and I never forgot it. People buy for their reasons, not yours. Mm. You have to listen to them. You have to ask. You have to detach. If it's something you created, You have to detach from it in a sense so that you can really align with what their needs are. That's true sustainability. That's a better product. That's a better service. I always remember that. Like I always remind myself that if somebody would have told me that when I first started, remember Monica, people buy for their reasons, not yours. I think I would have just catapulted a lot quicker. It's something that I always remember. Yeah, that's a great tip.
0: I I totally understand what you're talking about. and I. I think it's something that everyone should be sitting with, but it also made me think about when you said refine, keep refining and make it better. What came to my mind right away was even us as individuals, we're constantly refining and making ourselves better. I wonder if Monica always thought she'd be an entrepreneur and start a company and you've been constantly refining yourself and making yourself better. And it, it made me curious about what did she wanted to do before Sister Sky came into the picture.
1: Well, I didn't always think that I was going to be an entrepreneur. I just knew I was in a space where I wanted something different. So when I finished college, I moved home and there wasn't a lot of industry home. What was just beginning at that time was gaming. I had no idea what a casino was. I had no idea what a deck of cards or anything, (laughs) but that's where my opportunity was. I'm like, okay, I guess this is what I'm going to do. I have to, in reflection, and I always am reminded of this, I got into a management position in an industry and learned everything about that industry. If you are in an executive management position in a cash-based business like a casino that's highly regulated, you have to know every aspect of that business because when that business is audited, which it generally will always be audited, you've got to be able to answer all the questions of the process and procedure. I have to say that was probably the best training ground for me to understand how to build a business from scratch. I spent 12 years in the gaming industry, but always knowing, yeah, this is not what I want to do. It's a fast-paced industry. It requires a lot of people skills. But I think what I take away from that experience is that it really requires a lot of process. When we build business, we have to remember that The business is only as sustainable as the processes that we create to run that business. Are we a business? Are we a practice? If we're a practice, then the whole thing depends upon one person, right? Like the doctor or the dentist. But if we're a business and we're building a business, then we're building process that we can bring in new talent and help us keep the car on the road, so to speak. So gaming really helped me refine and understand the importance of the process. But somewhere in there, I was like, man, and my sister, because my sister worked with me in the gaming industry, and I'm like, sis, we got to do something else. And it's time you work weekends, you work nights, we had young kids, and it was like, it was one of those first moments in your young adult life that you go, okay. How am I going to find a pathway that is more in alignment with what my life is like right now? And my kids have weekends off; they have summers off. And so, we decided to try to dabble in a few things and figure out what, what kind of business do we want to run. And at the time, crafting was just starting. People were making candles. People were making soap. It was just—it was a whole new thing. And so, we started doing that as well. We were like, "Oh, we can make candles and soap, and we could sell those." And we did. <laughs> and we would go to these craft shows and. And uh, that's how we started our first little business. It was just like a hobby, but it was a way that we, A, saw how we could work together as sisters, but it became really evident that we wanted to do something more than where we were. And it's interesting, too, because when you're in an industry that pays pretty well, but you want to go follow something else, you have to make a decision. And that decision, is, does what I'm doing right now align with my life? and my lifestyle, and where I want to go. And I think that was probably one of my first realization about how those two things fit together. How does work and how does your personal life, how can we make those more in sync and more aligned? Yes, yes to all of that. I love how you both knew
0: that the place that you're in was not where it should be. And I've seen it where people get scared to leave. Fear is what holds us back sometimes from Getting out of the comfort zone to try and experiment because it is scary. You said this a couple of times in different ways about alignment, how that looks for the company. Because as I was looking at your values as a company, I see a lot of what your grandparents and your parents have seeded, and now it has blossomed into how you all are navigating. So, thank you for all of that. I read that all came up with a product. For skincare because of your son. Started off with you and your sister, but now you guys have a team of 14. So just tell us a little bit about the story there, about the growth and maybe some big learnings, but also some big celebration moments.
1: Yeah, yeah, thank you. When you were speaking in the beginning, and I seem to be hitting on alignment a lot. I think when you grow, you have to be as founders and sort of leaders of your company. You have to be really, dialed in to why you exist. And if you are not dialed into that, you cannot relay that to your team so that they can continue to feel fulfilled. So for example, we have a contract for indigenous language revitalization. We have a contract for behavioral health integration. I'm not a language expert. I'm not a behavioral health expert, but our company is committed to education, health and wellness and tribal communities. That's why we exist. We know that there is healing, there is wellness, there is things that our community needs and deserves. By being passionate and committed to that work and not deviating from that, being able to clearly communicate that we are servant warriors for Indian country. We have this camp, so to speak. Our business is like a camp. If you're an Indian person and you go to your powwow or you go to your celebrations, you're in your camp. Your family may have camped there for years, in our celebration, in our powwow on Spokane, where, where I'm from, it's like the 105th annual that we've had our powwow there. And our family has camped in this every year. This is our camp. For generations, this is where this, our family has camped. And so I, I was telling my sister, I said, our business is like our camp. Like, we're just the camp keepers. And we know what's around our camp and we know what our camp's about. People come into our camp and they lend their heart and they lend their talent and they lend their spirit to the work because they're very passionate about it. So how do you go from two people like that to 14 or 18? I think you have to do a really good job of communicating what that purpose is. And we have so much talent in Indian country. We have so many of our own people who have that same heart to do good work. They're there. It's just how well are we as leaders of that camp able to express and help support because these contracts that we get and this work that we do is very important, but the people who lend their talents and hearts is just not Monica and Marina. That's not it. It's all the folks who say, I want to be a part of that. That's my mission. That's my life work. I get fulfillment. That I think that's the heart of it. But you also have really, you also really have to have a good back of house. And by that, and I learned that from Gaby, you have to have good process. You have to have a good balance. You have to have a good workload. You have to make sure folks are supported, that they're not just running hot and burning out. You have to put all that scaffolding around in the structure of the business, in that camp. Her and I are camp keepers. We got to keep it healthy. We got to keep it strong. We got to nourish it. They do the work and we definitely appreciate it. They lend the talents in, in community. We love who's in our community. And sometimes I used to get real attached to folks. And if they had to go on, they had to go on. I'd be like, oh, you're leaving. <laughs> but <laughs> some other calling has told them somewhere else. And I'm just grateful that, as you said, some things don't happen by accident. They happen for a reason. If somebody has come into our camp and led, led their heart and talent and they were called somewhere else. I am just grateful that they were there contributing to really positive healing in our tribal communities for that amount of time. There's somebody else. There's somebody else that's going to come into the camp. I love the
0: camp analogy. I really do. And I love that you know, like we're keepers, right? Which means that you're listening, you're hearing, you're observing what the company needs are. Because that's shifting. When people come in, people have different needs whoever is in partnership with you all as well they have specific needs so it's constantly it's definitely organic and organic with as you said processes with systems in place to kind of keep things aligned when I think about that culturally in our native ways we also have systems in place when there's ceremony there are certain practices certain ways that you do things certain times when you speak, certain times in the year. So we also have those practices as Indigenous people. And it's very aligned with running a company, running a business, running an organization, even running a family.
1: You know, I love that. I love that you did share that because what I think about is we already know this. That's For us, it's protocol. We have such respect for the protocol of ceremony, for the protocol of powwow, doesn't matter where we're from, we do have that protocol. So, when you can reframe that or understand that all of those same skills apply somewhere else, you've already been doing it, it feels less scary. Like, it feels less like foreign. It feels less, I'm not certain about this. When you go into a contract with the United States of America, we're federal contractors, that's a scary thing. There's a lot of protocols. You're billing and you're auditing and everything, but we already know the importance of those things. And you already have that skill set, so to speak, you already have that mindset, so to speak. And the reason our ceremonies have lasted and continue to move forward is because of that protocol. So let's think about that in business, The your business and how you set it up and how you show up and how you provide all those processes and how it, there is that consistency, it will also result in your sustainability and allowing your business to be fortified and strengthened so that it can continue to move forward. This
0: conversation is making me want to explore your company values. I'm a true leader for what are your personal values? What are your organizational values? What is your company values? A lot of people make these up, right? Like they identify them and they just stick it on a wall. The learning here is how do you make that come to life? As you're talking about the alignment, being aligned with yourself and your work. As I was watching what I love the little video that you and your sister did like getting to know us there was a question that I asked you I think it was about like gratitude and your sister had said she's grateful and has gratitude for the ancestors and then you had said my children the youth listen to the values of the company you both are really honoring that in the company and really bringing in ancestral wisdom and knowledge to the products that you have and you all are also focusing on the future the youth i see that you guys really bring in young people to train them to bring training and services but also incorporate them into the business i just
1: love that about what you all are doing thank you thank you i appreciate that it's interesting cuz when we build business there's this sort of capitalist way of thinking about it it's mission and vision and i think we think as tribal people or as indian people or as native people is what's your anchor what's your core what's your essence what's the heart of the spirit and that the heart and spirit which some may say is the vision or i don't know what 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 word would use but we are very focused on being authentic and building relationship we know and that works for both the federal space and the contracting as well as for the products if we're not authentically who we are if we're trying to morph into being Everything to everyone, there's no essence there. If we are serving our tribal communities in programs and projects that are helping our federal clients, and we're not building relationship, then we won't be effective. So authenticity and relationship are at the core of everything we do, whether it's through profit or nonprofit, when things start to feel transactional, it's very shallow, and we'll do more harm. If we are there simply to check a box or meet a deadline, then I think that's very harmful. If we're there to turn out a product that isn't going to be helpful or could potentially be harmful, then that's not who we are. So I would say we're always super mindful about relationship and authenticity. Those are things that big corporations try to fake all day long, every day. And it's the reason why big corporations buy smaller companies because smaller companies generally, that's at the core. They say it's brand story. They say it's brand DNA. They say it's brand essence. I'm not sure. They say it's all of those things. But I'm always so inspired by the way Indigenous people build business because we infuse that spirit into what what we want to do, what we're trying to do, what we hope to do. You can't fake that. That's just a beautiful way we bring culture into how we build companies. Thank
0: you. Your authenticity and commitment to the community and relationship building has led you on this beautiful 23-year journey where now I'm going to shout out for you all because you all had gotten an opportunity to be in Cosmetology, the magazine. Allure. Allure
1: magazine. Yes. Allure magazine.
0: I saw those two magazines and then also your products was also lifted on the recent show Reservation Dogs as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's super exciting. I have to say that when our products are featured, we get a shout out. You're right. It was last year we were in Cosmopolitan. Just recently, we were in Allure and then Res Dogs. They did some product placement there. When we first started Sister Sky, we sold a lot of little products to tribal hotels across the United States we basically took the products that we were making and we made them a little small. They're called hotel amenities. We would sell them and they would be placed. It was a really good marketing product placement because tribes were building hotels and they were infusing culture. They were infusing decor. They were infusing maybe some tribal artwork. It was just a natural that you should put a, an indigenous inspired native owned company product in. And for years, we would travel around and folks would say, oh my gosh, I saw your product here. I saw your product here. This is so cool. And my sister and I at first were like a little bit like, oh, that's great. You don't know how to take compliments sometimes. Or you don't know how to take that attention sometimes. And it didn't occur to me until later in life, actually most recently, that I think because people would say, we saw your product here. We saw your product there. Oh, you girls are doing such a good job. Keep up the good work. We're so proud of you. And it didn't occur to me until years later that I don't think people were saying, oh, we're so proud you have the best shampoo in the world, or your soap is amazing. I think the pride came from representation. We're so proud that we are represented. We're so proud that we're there. We're so proud that we're there through you. You are brown like us. You are native like us. You're doing this like us. And it is so critical that we hold each other up and that we model this because we have no idea who is aspiring and collectively our energy and our enthusiasm, like collectively, it's all of our success. In reflection, when we were talking to another company who was saying, can we come and show you what we got? And I had made that comment. I said, I don't think that pride was like representation. And you hear that a lot. Representation matters. And yes, it does. It really does. It's so critically important to to mirror our communities, but to hold each other up because it is an incredible catalyst to our collective success.
0: Congratulations on all that. That's why I was shocked when we were sitting at the table and you told me, and I was like, the Sister Sky? <laughs> and you're like, yes, because I did a lot of traveling before COVID. I remember seeing your products and I read up on it and I was like, oh, this is a native-owned company. And this was like maybe... I don't know, 10 years ago when I started seeing your products in different native resorts and facilities. I'm going to just circle back a little bit about your grandmother, Then one that was very nurturing. And it made me think about the different young people who you mentored and worked with. That's a value to me. It's about thinking about the future and trying to have them be a part of the camp, right? So they're they're experiencing that. My oldest one actually works for me, and he helps me to prepare for my podcast guests. He does all the research, and he pulls everything together, and he helps to listen and edit. So he's starting to, he's been working with me since February. So I always ask him, what question would you want to ask the guests? If you were on there with me, what would you ask? He said, I'm interested in the production of the products. Do they farm the ingredients, or they, do they go forging for it? How hard is it to maintain the plants, like finding the plants?
1: Ah, that's a great question. So here's an interesting dynamic to growing a company. When you hand make products, it's very different than when you scale and create a commercial product. When you hand make products, you're more in control of all of the supply chain. So exactly what you're saying. So if you're a small batch by hand, it's actually more labor intensive but you have more control over all of those ingredients that go into it. When you actually scale to commercial production, you have to be more mindful. Sometimes there's a lot of stuff that's out of your control. So a lot of the raw ingredients that you're buying, a lot of the packers that you use, the co-packers, the manufacturers, the fillers, you have to do a really good job of auditing them, so to speak, making sure that your micro testing's good, making sure that who they say they're supplying from, they're supplying. So you do lose a bit of control, but you scale and you have the ability to get your product all over. What you're talking about is small batch manufacturing. And it's probably when you're at the beginning and you're doing it all yourself and you're putting all of that in. We don't do that anymore. We have fillers and we have packers, but we did do it. I remember we did a batch and we ran out of a particular ingredient And people would get really mad. They'd be like, why don't you have this anymore? And it was like, literally, I cannot supply this because I can't buy this particular ingredient, a particular herbal extract. Why can't you buy the extract? Because you know what? We're just a tiny little buyer. And sometimes, especially when you get extracts where it's almost like a commodity, like there's only a certain amount on the market, bigger companies can come in and buy it up. That ended up happening early on when big companies just started getting involved in putting natural extracts and stuff, but they just literally go and buy it all. And you'd be like, I got to find all this stuff on the secondary market. So it really did become a challenge. Today, there's so many commercial brands that have the natural ingredients, sulfate-free, all kinds of stuff is on the market now. It's more accessible to all of us. When we first started, it was really difficult to maintain that, control it, have all of your suppliers, you've got to constantly have your supply chain figured out. But when you go to filling and packing in larger scale, and of course, you have to make sure it's shelf stable, you have to have product liability insurance, that's a whole grab rabbit hole. You have to just make sure that you have the right partners so that your product has the continually consistency that your customers expect from it.
0: Thank you. I wanted to actually go to
1: the whole diversifying
0: portion of the S- Sister Sky Incorporation, where you have other pieces in there, but specifically Native American Business Directory that you guys recently worked on. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Folks often say, how did you go from making products to over here doing federal contracting? and in a nutshell, literally we would, when we were first starting our first company, we would go set up booths, trade show booths in Indian country, whether it's National Congress, whether it was National Indian Gaming Association. Folks in tribal communities and certainly tribal leaders saw us setting up our booth and saw our products. And they're like, well, this is really cool. You and your sister are doing this. You're making all this product. Oh, I've never seen anything like this. Could you come and talk to our tribal members about starting a business? Cause they want to do this. And first of all, if you're invited, to community you gotta go like you're invited by the leadership you're trusted enough to do that go so we did we would go and we would be invited into different communities and we would literally tell our story of how we started this little company called sister sky after one or two of those my sister was like really adamant she goes this is so irresponsible if we just go in and tell give people a pep talk or go tell them what we did and we don't leave resources behind like we don't link them to Any resources that they may have, we're not doing justice. If somebody really has an idea to start a business, we're just going in there telling them what we did. That doesn't feel right. Okay, what can we do? We ended up getting certified in a small business training called Indiepreneurship, which was run out of Onaben at the time in Oregon. We didn't know at the time it was called training and technical assistance, but we got certified and we would say, yes, we'd love to come and explain what we've done, but we also have these training services. And that really blossomed this whole second business of providing training and technical assistance. It really focused on what we did in our business journey, but what tools are available that we really weren't very sure about. What we found in doing that work is A, we loved it, B, we mirrored the community. Three, we had real stories that went with the lesson. When you're doing the lesson that says how to have a pitch, we're really telling you how we didn't even know what that was. And <laughs> we would sit in the back of our booth or at our table not even talking. We were so like, what is a pitch? You know, they're asking all these questions. It was really impactful and we really enjoyed what we were doing. And that turned into this whole other business called Sister Sky Enterprises Incorporated. We ended up landing a couple of contracts in Indigenous Language Revitalization, Behavioral Health Integration. Three years ago, we ended up landing a contract with SBA, Office of Native American Affairs, and they contracted with us to develop culturally customized curriculum for not native entrepreneurs. So when that happened, it literally for us came full circle. It was like, okay, this is what you wanted to do with this company. And now you're actually contracted by SBA to provide this for tribal communities. It has always been the beginning and the reason and the catalyst. We've always had a passion for literally helping native folks who are saying, I want to start a small business. It's just, it's what fuels us really to be able to see this young talent, your son, your children, my children. They have so many great, amazing, creative ideas and to help them understand the landscape and cultivate that t- type of entrepreneurial spirit. is always been near and dear to our heart. And it's the reason why we founded our second nonprofit, which is called Native Business Center. It's a space in which we create, we provide resources, we provide training and technical assistance. And we launched a business directory. So we are under contract with our state, Washington State. And one of the first things Washington State said when they came to us to contract with them is they're like, where are all the Native businesses? And we're like, there isn't really a comprehensive directory. And they're like, there probably should be. (laughs) So with this contract, we were able to work with individual Native-owned businesses in our state and start creating a comprehensive list. So if folks want to buy Native, they want to procure with Indigenous companies, They want to provide resources. They want to get the word out. There's a space that they can go. When you look at that directory or you look at the diversity of businesses that are being built in tribal communities, it's just so inspiring. It's super exciting. Amazing. And that's only for the state of Washington then? Correct. Right now, it's the state of Washington, but we'll definitely be expanding it.
0: Yay. I used to always say, I wish there was a place we could just go and find a Native company that did X, Y, and Z. I tell people this all the time that the entrepreneurial spirit in Indian country has, the trajectory has like immensely increased. Back when I started my company, there was a handful. very are far few in between, but now it's like everywhere you turn, there's a new Native company, a new Native business. It's just it, really exciting. And I just love seeing how much of our people have really embraced this entrepreneurial spirit. I see a lot of them also giving back, like giving back to the community. Thank you for that. I'm looking forward to seeing it go national in the sense of more folks across the state's names in the directory so people know where to go and use Native businesses for their products and services, supporting each other and lifting each other up in that way. So thank you so much for that. I hear folks have this mindset of scarcity. Once we start to shift that mindset of scarcity and thinking about creative ways in how we can generate income or generate different resources, that we all have an entrepreneurial spirit, I believe. You like to beadwork, you like to sew, you like to cook, you like to do some form of art. All of that can be generated somehow or another into a a business you have been in this business industry for quite some time and I would love for you to shout out what you've done consistently to keep yourself on the edge of growing yourself but also the company maybe even lifting up a person or two who who has really helped to shape you as an entrepreneur.
1: so when you said the scarcity mindset I really it really resonated with me because I think when you build business when you venture that's what it is. If you have a product or service, you venture to do this. The thing that's going to counter the ability to move forward is you just being afraid of risk. And I think if we can let go of scarcity in this space of building business and be okay with the risk, be okay with being vulnerable, be okay making a mistake, but learning, learning, learning. Like you talk to entrepreneurs, they're like, yeah, I don't mind making mistakes because that means I'm learning. And the first time I heard that, I was like, what are you talking about? I don't want to make mistakes. That's just scary. That's going to cost me money. But when you actually reflect and you say, I am so grateful for all those times that I had to redirect, I think it has less power. Mistakes, that word mistake or that that word risk or that feeling of risk feels less powerful over you when you can change the mindset about it we know after doing this long that my sister always says this I'll come to her and I go I have an idea and she goes I love it ideas are free tell me about it (laughs) and we'll we'll start to converse about an idea it was really invigorating when you can talk about an idea and you can really chew on it and try to figure out the challenge of bringing it to life it's really motivating to me I talk to different entrepreneurs and we can get on that same mindset. And then you can talk to other folks who are like, that just sounds scary to me. When you opened up, you said, Look, life is the journey. It's a long journey. I've turned 50. I haven't figured it out. I'm figuring it out. Honestly, that's what business is. That's what every step in your business is no different than your life journey. You're figuring it out. You're figuring it out. If we just start something and stay with something, that would be a pretty boring life. If we, just started with something and stayed with something business-wise too, we would either burn out pretty quickly, maybe not be sustainable and not continue to morph and grow and add value. So if you can think of building your business as you are in your life, and we have a lot of value in life. We have a lot of cultural value for wisdom, the lessons we learn. We have a lot of value for asking elders, honoring those who have come before us in what they've taught us and what they've learned. It's no different when you build business, right? You have to be able to ask for help. You've got to be able to open yourself up enough to know that you don't know and that you do need assistance and that you do need connection. But in business, there's a whole lot of trust that has to be built for that. We can trust those in our community. We can trust those in our family. We have that skill set. So being able to just understand that we carry that into the businesses that we build, we've already done it, call on that, because I think that's going to be really helpful to anybody who's thinking of selling their artwork, selling their beadwork, selling their services. It becomes a really solid and important foundation for whatever it is that you're building.
0: Thank you so much learning in this podcast. I'm hoping folks take away something, one thing from it. What I'm hearing you say is language is important, right? As we're building on this discussion about the scarcity mindset and how we use language really shifts the mindset. You talked also several times about alignment, alignment with self, with you know your family, with the company, with the organization, with the community. I also appreciate you really looking at your company and what you do for the community in a very holistic view and that our community needs healing. Our community needs wellness. And you're there to be thinking about what that looks like. I think we talked so much about values that your relatives, your grandparents, your parents, your sister and partners that you've worked with have really shown light on what's important and how you all show up being authentic, relationship building. I love the refining and making it better, whether that's to ourselves or to the work that we're doing, whatever we're creating so much. I really appreciate you sharing your wisdom. So I have a couple of quick questions and then we'll wrap up. These are just fun questions and it's also just curiosity. And I'm sure folks would also be curious about this. So what is Monica's morning routine?
1: Coffee. Okay. So I know this. I know if I don't get my workout in, in the morning, it's probably not happening in the afternoon. I don't like, sometimes I'll be really good. Oh my gosh. Morning, morning, morning. And get it done and get to the gym or get outside and get my walk in. And then sometimes I'm not. And when I'm not, I can just remind myself that I know how to do this, get up in the morning and get it done. And I'm okay. But coffee, definitely. (laughs) What is your favorite food dish that you make? Food dish that I make? Oh boy. Since my kids all grew up and we're kind of an empty minster, I enjoy those meal prep services like HelloFresh and Blue Apron. I love them because I wouldn't normally put ingredients together and I feel like it's really efficient. And that's given it. maybe people are gonna laugh about that because I'm all about process and efficiency. <laughs> but I love those little cards. I love being able to try things I wouldn't normally try. So anything that I get out of a meal prep, I consider myself to be daring, but then by the end of the eight steps, I feel like I'm an expert. So it boosts my boosts my whole confidence. <laughs> I love it. All right. Two books that you would recommend and why. I loved The Time Traveler's Wife. I read that years ago. And the reason I love that is because I think it weaves in the story. We think life is really linear. Like we're like, okay, this is the next step. This is the next step. That book had a way of telling a story in a very reflective way, going back and forth and from childhood to adulthood. So I really loved the way that was put together. After I read that book, I would literally go, I got to find people who have read this because I really want to know what they think about it. The second book I read, and I know there's some controversy around Will Smith, but I read Will Smith's autobiography. I was really amazed at the balance of his parents in creating who he is, who he became at his core. His dad being very... Like a military guy and his mom being very intellectual, I thought the way that he put his story together was pretty authentic and I enjoyed following his story and his ability in that story to identify where some of that childhood trauma served him and some of it didn't
0: I love that this one's from my son, so he he said that he knows that your son is teaching and learning in a different country in South Korea and getting a master's degree in international cooperation, he would like to know,
1: what is he learning from that? My son is finishing up, actually, we're going to be heading to Korea August 27th to see him graduate. We're very excited.
0: Yay, congratulations.
1: (laughs) My son has learned, I think, first and foremost, an appreciation for his family, his culture, where he grew up, the connectivity of his of of where he's from and and how that has grounded him I thought my son would be a rolling stone forever because he's lived a lot of places Mm -hmm. but most recently he's come to a place in his life where he is has loved all the experience that he's seen in other countries but at the core of his heart is home and family and I think Mm -hmm. that to me is is a really valuable lesson One thing also, though, when coming out of Korea, what I've noticed is there's a lot of value in Korea for education. There's a lot of, I'm going to say, intellectual, like, focus. And I think oftentimes that has conflicted with emotional. And so he's trying to find his balance back. Because when you're in a country where it's very competitive, and you're in a program that's extremely competitive. You can get off balance and, be, and come from a very intellectual space, but he's al- also always been a very emotional person. So he's going to have to come back and reintegrate and know it's okay to have that balance. And I think that's going to be a little bit of a challenge, but he's ready to find that balance again.
0: Mm. Well, transitioning from him to you, what are you still learning about yourself?
1: Because I don't have to be perfect, but it's going to be okay that I could trust and if there are things that just don't align just it's okay it's okay to pass that good work doesn't look like a certain it doesn't have a certain dollar value it doesn't have a certain number of people it doesn't have a certain prestige attached to it good work is more soul fulfilling and if you can allow work to feed you and fulfill you rather than drag you around. I've been in situations where work has just drugged me. I'm like, I feel like it's pulling. I just feel like I'm, it's a big dog and I've got the leash and I'm going through the mud and I'm going, and it's just beat me up. I don't need to be in that place. And I've been in that place and I never want to be that person who thinks this is work. And I'm going to brag about how I'm doing all this. I'm getting, I'm suffering so much and I'm going through all this punishment. I've learned that that doesn't have to define me in that way, but I have a choice. I love all of that in terms of what you've learned
0: about yourself and what you're continuing to learn about yourself because I feel like it's advice for everyone as well to consider. Thank you for all of that. Any final thoughts, comments, wisdom, closing remarks to our listeners?
1: I appreciate our ability to gift each other with story i know that we are grateful when we have the opportunity to hear or share and i feel like the more we we hold each other up and we learn from each other that is such a place that we're all from sometimes with the way things are now and social media and how there's a lot it's like it's scattered all over I think we have to remember that we've always done this. We've always taken time to connect. And, and that is, I find that's really replenishing. And it's easy to be depleted because we have so much going on. There's so much noise. If we can ground ourselves and center ourselves in that connection, in those stories and sharing time with each other, it's good medicine. We want to thank you for
0: sharing your time with us and taking us on a little journey to learn a little bit more about your roots, the company, what you all are continuing to do, and just so much wisdom that you shared. So, Acha hat, thank you. And I look forward to our continuing relationship and where it buds and where it blossoms. So, thank you so much, Monica. Thank you, Becky. I appreciate it. All right. Take care.
1: Take care.